The Social Position of Women Today, speech by August Babel, held on 15th of December 1891 at a public meeting in Berlin. First published in Die Gleichheit, number 2, 25th of January 1892, page 22. Twenty years ago, a meeting like ours today would have been impossible. It would have been possible for men to attend, of course, but women would have had difficulties being here. When it comes to both the legitimacy and the significance of the women's question, we have witnessed a significant turnaround, and in the future, attitudes on this question will change even more under the pressure of social relations and of the facts themselves. This notwithstanding, the majority of men and women are still of the view that women have no cause to be interested in general or public affairs, that their actual domain is in the household, that marriage assigns them once and for all to their position in life. In short, they think that existing relations are as they have always been, that they, that they cannot be changed. The latter outlook, however, is utterly wrong. Nothing has always been as it is, as it is now. This is also true of relations between men and women, which have been subject to constant change. In the course of the cultural development of humanity, both the relations between the sexes and marital relations have changed just as much as, and together with, the relations of production and property relations. Nonetheless, the advocates of today's state and social order have every reason to present things in such a way as if the property relations, relations of production, as well as marriage and family relations, have always been as they are today. For if they concede that in the course of the cultural development of humanity, all this from its very foundations and changing forms are taken a quite different shape, then they must also admit that further developments are also possible in the future, leaving them without a leg to stand on. When reading the Bible, especially the books of the Old Testament, we learn, for instance, that among the Israelites, views prevailed on sexual intercourse that differ most considerably from what in our age is viewed as moral. If, according to the Old Testament, for instance, two such godly men as King David and Solomon could have hundreds of women without shocking God, then this single fact shows how the completely different character of the age was when it comes to what we consider to be moral. At a given period of time, what is moral is what the people of that time acknowledge it to be. But in turn, morality itself is rooted in the social needs of a particular epoch and among a particular people. And social needs can, in turn, only be fulfilled by the existing mode of production and the existing property forms. So it is that the mode of production is the actual basis for the intellectual, social and political standards or requirements of a given society. With the development of the relations of production and property relations, the relations between men and women have changed. The position of women in today's society has become completely different, and her relations have crystallized, which eventually have given rise, in women's circles too, to the need for an improvement in their position as sexual beings and as members of state and society. Relations are working with ever greater intensity towards making it possible for women to carry out their so-called natural role of being a housewife, spouse and mother, and instead are forcing them into occupations in craft, trade and industry. Pointing out to women that their natural calling is to be a housewife and mother is more tasteless in this period than in any other, as is shown on the one hand by the constantly growing number of women vis-a-vis -vis men, and on the other hand by the relative decline in the number of marriages. In all modern cultural states, the number of marriages is in constant relative decline. This is best exemplified by France, but also by Germany. 
Although since 1872 Germany's population has increased by more than 9 million, the number of marriages even today is considerably less than those in 1872 and 1873. Between 1830 and 1835 in Prussia, there were 1,849 marriages per, ev per year for every 100,000 people. But between 1881 and 1885, this figure was merely 1,592 and is constantly falling. Numerous socio-economic causes have brought about this decline. It is illusory to assume that such a supposedly purely personal affair like marriage is independent of general social conditions. It is the latter that are alone decisive and their effect is clearly expressed in the figures cited above. Each year that brings unusual levels of inflation most significantly reduces the number of marriages and births, and so it is that unfavourable social causes must always have the same effects. Increasingly unfavourable social relations and the growth in the demands of daily life are closely connected with marriages for money and professional marriages, which are increasingly being recorded and which show once again how purely economic causes underlie marriage. The Christian image of marriage stands in rugged con contradiction with the facts, but the material character of marriage also causes all the quarrels and the large number of unhappy marriages. Men and women increasingly seek what they cannot find within marriage outside of it, but it is just that women are in the least favourable position to do so. The man allows himself the greatest freedoms and considers these freedoms to be self-evident. But if a woman exercises some of these freedoms, then the male world views it as a crime. The social repression of women expresses itself as a fact in all areas of life. The conditions of marriage I have just described and the great number of obstacles that stand in the way of an early marriage or even getting married at all create prostitution and make it a necessity. Under these conditions, the rise in prostitution is quite inevitable, and those who think that artificial measures will be able to limit or suppress prostitution merely reveal that they know nothing about the nature of this evil. The extraordinarily tragic conditions under which a large section of women earn a living have a disastrous impact on the growth of prostitution. With their shamelessly low wages and salaries, certain business owners are virtually forcing their female workers and sales assistants, etc., to prostitute themselves, to sell their bodies. On the one hand, the development that female labour has gone through in capitalism contributes to the growth of prostitution. On the other, it leads to the ruin of family life, to the physical degeneration of the race. When it comes to bourgeois law and the state authorities, it is the woman that is disadvantaged, incapacitated, devoid of rights. The call must therefore be raised for the complete equality of both sexes, for the establishment of social conditions that facilitate equality, freedom and justice for all, conditions where there is no longer repression or exploitation. Women must organise themselves just as well as the men do, whether in trade un unions in association with men or within women's unions. They must support their press and related literature that fights for their emancipation. What is more, to the extent that they are excluded from having an influence on either of these things by our public institutions, they must encourage the men to get involved. For their part, the men must understand what an enormously powerful factor the women's support for their effort represents.
The Catholic Church understood this better than anyone else. It always sought to achieve its main influence through women. In future, the movement behind which the women stand will be the victorious one.